the things that fasting does is it positions us as believers to understand and discover the perfect will of God for our lives. Let's talk about it today. The following program is brought to you by friends and partners of End Time Headlines. All right, guys, what's going on? It is Friday, January 5th. Um, we want to welcome you to tonight's broadcast. Again, this is End Time Headlines. I am your host, Ricky Scaparo, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of End Time Headlines. I want to say right off the bat, if my voice sounds raspy, it sounds nasally, it's because I'm fighting off a virus as we speak. It went through our whole household, as many of you guys know. It hit my wife, hit my two kids. I thought I dodged a bullet. But I was the last one on the hit list. Uh, and so I'm about three days into this thing, <clears throat> a lot of upper congestion. So um, I felt like we can come on here the best I can. And at least I uh, wanted to be with you guys on this Friday um, and deliver this important message. We are five days into our fast. Many of you guys are joining us on this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're going strong five days into this thing. For, for many of you guys who are doing water only, or you're, you're eating very minimum, and you're cutting out a lot of the, the sweets and the caffeines and the sugars, right around this time, you should start feeling better. Probably the first three days, a lot of headaches, a uh, lot of mood swings, irritability, all that stuff. It comes through the detoxification on the natural side, your body ridding itself of all these toxins. So right around the five, six, seven day mark, again, this is for the people that are going full water only, you're going to start seeing that turnaround. So uh, again, before we get started, guys, do me a favor, hit the like button, hit that bell notification, uh, subscribe to us, of course, here on YouTube, uh, on face, uh, not Facebook, excuse me, on YouTube or Rumble. Um, go again, get our free app. Um, if you would download our free app, it's available on Apple and Android devices or your Play Store rather. And uh, if you go to there, Depending on your device, depending on who you have, Apple or Android, just uh, type in End Time Headlines. You're going to see our ETH logo right there on your screen. If you're watching, you'll see the ETH acronym for End Time Headlines. Uh, you're going to see the four blood moon solar eclipse in the middle. And for you guys that are on Apple and Spotify listening, that's all you got to look for. Download the app, hit yes to push notifications, and you're going to be good to go. And you guys... Listen, that are watching us uh, live here on YouTube or Rumble, um, you can go to, to the description of this video. Under the description of this video, there's going to be a, uh, a sentence that says, download our free app. If you'll hit that link right under it, it's going to take you there and it's going to walk you through all that. So it's real easy to do. Um, so again, we want to do that. So today, now we're, I'm a couple days behind on this. On a lot of these teachings because of, again, because of sicknesses and different things going on. But hallelujah, we're going to press in, we're going to press forward, and we're going to keep going forward, okay? So today, I want to talk about how fasting aligns us and positions us as believers to discover, and I believe puts us into the perfect will of God. Now, what are we talking about when we say that? I want you to go to the book of Romans, we're going to the book of Romans chapter 12. Look at this. Romans 12, uh, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How many believe, listen to me, when you consecrate yourself unto the Lord through fasting, you are presenting your body as a living sacrifice because you're crucifying your appetites, your desires, and your impulses. Your body wants to eat, but your spirit man says no, and it resists that. This is presenting your body a living sacrifice. And look what it says here. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It, Paul said it's a reasonable service to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, we know that this doesn't just mean fasting. We know that, guys, literally, if you go to the early church, they um, they gave themselves up as martyrs. 
literally laid down their line, uh, lives for the gospel. But I'm going to show you this. Verse 2, this is real interesting here. I'm in the New King James. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now notice here, he talks about conform and transform. He says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, how do we do this? We do this by the reading of the word of God. It transforms your mind. How much more, listen to me, how much more transformation will there be if you suppress the flesh, you suppress your appetites and your desires to eat? Listen, I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's a, it's a known fact. Come on, all, all my folks that are probably 40 years of age or older, I'd say even in their upper thirties and older will, will, will know exactly what I'm talking about here. I remember years ago when I worked construction work and I always, listen, I enjoyed lunch break because I like eating like most of you do. But here's the one thing I did not like to do because when I worked construction work, it was very physical. It was very physically demanding. And consequently, when I would eat lunch, uh, and, and again, we can, you know, we can sit here and debate on what we should eat and whatnot, but a typical lunch, come on, I am American. So we're going to eat pretty good. I don't think anybody's, if you're from America here, none of us are, are probably malnourished. I'm just saying, uh, typically we would eat lunch and then about 30 minutes after eating lunch, you become very lethargic. Your mind just kind of gets foggy. Your body gets become, become slumbered and sleepy. And you don't really want to do any physical work. You just kind of want to kind of go find a recliner or go find a bed or go somewhere and lay down and take a nap. Now, why is that? Because when you eat, when you eat and your belly becomes full, your body actually, there, it, it increases blood flow into your digestive system so that it can work to digest the food that you just ate. So when it, when this happens, it, um, it, it causes this effect in your physical body that makes you lethargic. Why do you think, listen, Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas dinners, it, people are notorious. They will stuff themselves and gorge themselves. And then where do you find them 30 minutes later? They're, they're on a, they're on a couch somewhere. They're on a bed somewhere. They're on a cot somewhere. They're on a hammock somewhere. Why? Because again, I just explained that to you. So watch this. If, if you listen, when you begin to fast and you begin to eliminate your stomach from being full of food, it increases blood flow, blood flow into your mind, into your brain, which causes your alertness to be to be more sensitive. So I believe, listen, in my own experience, when I read the word of God, when I'm fasting, it's almost as if, again, it's almost as if the words of the Lord are just leap off the pages. There's no, I don't have that slumber. I don't have that lethargicness. So I find it very interesting here that the writer, uh, Paul, says in the book of Romans that we are not to conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, look what he says here. Let me go back to the book of Romans here. So he says this, watch this, that I'm in verse two of Romans 12 two. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want everybody to remember this today. According to Romans 12, there is what is called the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let's explain this a little bit in detail. There are some things out there that we can do unto the Lord and do for the Lord that God looks upon it and, is, and he says it's good. Your Bible says that Jesus, speaking of Christ himself, went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. 
So there's things that we can do for the work of the kingdom. We can do uh, unto the Lord that, and we do in our everyday lives that God looks upon and says, this is good. Then there's things that we can do that uh, are acceptable. They may not necessarily be the perfect will of God, but they're acceptable. God's not frowning upon it. God's not rebuking it. He is not um, telling us that we necessarily are wrong or evil in itself, but it's acceptable unto the Lord. But then there is what's called the perfect will of God. Come on. How many would like to be, I don't know about you, listen, good and acceptable are awesome, but to be in the perfect will of God, I think everyone should strive to be in the perfect will of God. Come on for our lives. Now, let me go over here to Ephesians 5. And you say, what has this got to do with fasting, Brother Ricky? Oh, it has everything to do with it. That's what we're talking about today. Let's go to Ephesians 5. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the church of Ephesus. Same writer as Romans. Verse 17. I'm going to go to Ephesians 5, 17. Well, actually, we can go 16. He talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, look what he says in verse 17. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand. What does he say here, church? What the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Well, look, he says the days are evil. How many? Come on. How many believes the days are evil in which we are looking upon that we are living in? Isaiah says that gross darkness shall cover the earth. Paul said that perilous times will come. Jesus said that the lawlessness will abound and the love of many will wax cold as we get closer to the coming of the Lord and the end of the age. The days are evil. And because of that, Paul says, don't be unwise, don't be ignorant, but we must understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, listen, you know what this is going to require us to do? Number one is get in the word. How can you know? How can you know what the will of the Lord is if you don't know what the word is? Because listen, God's will for your life is not going to contradict this book. And God's not going to tell you to that you need to be understanding of the will of the Lord if he's not going to instruct us through his holy word and through the Holy Spirit. Now, look, I found it interesting. I'm just going to throw this out there as a bonus here. In the very next verse of Ephesians 5, he says, and now this is all in conjunction with understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not unwise. The days are evil. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in verse 18, he says, and don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Now, why would he say that? Because, listen, drunkenness impairs the will of an individual. Oh, you, you, you didn't hear me right there. I'm going to say it a little bit louder for the back row. I don't care. Listen, you may be one of these people that like a little toddy for the body and you might be a sipping saint. But I'm going to tell you, alcohol impairs the judgment of an individual, which impairs the will of the individual. Listen, it it causes Come on. It causes distortion in your mind. It causes impairment in you and you will do things that you would naturally and uh, and normally not do if you were sober minded. So it's not a coincidence that the Apostle Paul here said in or to the church of Ephesus, we are in evil times. And we need to be not ignorant of the will of God. And we need to abstain from things that distort our senses. So look, stop for a second. Two things. Number one is if Paul tells us that there is substances that impair our judgment and, and, and pull us out of the will of God. Listen, how much more will fasting and praying put us in the exact Come on, a target for the will of God. Now, let's let's go over here to Matthew 4. If you have your Bible open to Matthew 4, look at this. Here is Jesus himself, who is the ultimate example for every believer. And your Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Somebody say he was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You mean the Holy Spirit will lead us into a, a wilderness season to be tempted of the devil? Listen, your Bible says in the book of James that God tempts no man. 
nor can he be tempted. For every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. You look this up. I don't have time. We don't have time to expound on this too much in detail because we're, we're, I'm trying to keep this in conjunction with what we're talking about today. But Jesus here was being tested. And so to answer your question, will the Holy Spirit lead us to a season of testing? Absolutely. Because guys, if we were never tested in any area of our lives, we would never be strong in those areas of our lives. So what? listen, whatever area, whatever area that you're believing God for, if you're believing God for healing, you're going to be tested in it. If you're believing God for provision, you're going to be tested in it. If you're believing God for your marriage, you're going to be in it. Come on. You're going to be if whatever area you're going to be, I'm telling you, you will be tested in these areas because it's through the test that we sharpen our swords, that we strengthen. Come on our faith so that when we come out on the other end in the future, when we get tested again, or we go through another trial, which you will, it's inevitable as every believer. Come on. If God gave you the victory through that, showed you how to get the victory, gave you the weapons, gave you the tools, gave you the, gave you the the game plan. Guess what? You use it when you go into the next battle and the next test. So here we have Jesus being led by the spirit of God into the wilderness for a season of 40 days and 40 nights. Look what it says in verse two, where Jesus fasted. Now I'm going to tell you, Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights, water only. Now, again, I do not advise anyone to go on a 40 day, 40 night water fast only, unless two things. One, you seek advice from your doctor come on and number two you better be led by the spirit you see this wasn't jesus's idea this was the holy spirit that led him this was the father directing jesus to do this and there's a purpose for it oh i'm going somewhere so jesus went into the wilderness 40 days 40 nights to be tempted of the devil and the bible says afterward after what the fast he was hungry now look what it says here During this time, Satan comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, why don't you command these stones to become bread? Now, there's two main points I want to show you here. Verse four, but the Lord answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Come on. Hallelujah. This is so powerful. Watch this. So look at this. Satan tempts Jesus. So uh, so Satan tempts the Lord to turn stones into bread. See, this is what happens. Watch this. When we enter into, when we make a commitment, we're going to, we make a commitment. We write it down. We write down our top 10 list. Come on. We write all of our, uh, uh, what we're believing God for. We make a commit. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to press in. We're going to worship. We're going to, we're going to get plugged into a a local body of the ecclesia. We're going to get plugged into a, a a group of believers like right here and on, on YouTube, our family, we're going to come together as a family. Listen, you make those commitments. You set it down. It is inevitable It is absolutely inevitable that the enemy is going to try to come to discourage you, disappoint you, and try to knock you off course. Listen, it's no coincidence that the Lord put it on my heart to lead us into 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I'm telling you, I I I got sick. Then I've got this stupid TMJ disorder thing with going on with my jaw, and then I get sick again. So am I shocked by this? No. But you know what? The devil is a liar because, come on, I'm still here. I'm still preaching, and I'm still proclaiming, thus saith the Lord, and declaring the will of the Lord. Come on, right here, right now. That's the key. Yes, you're going to get knocked down. Listen, we some of you guys have emailed us. You have messages and you say, well, brother Ricky, I tried to, I started out fasting, but I slipped up and I fell. Is it over? Do do I just need to stop? No, 
Listen, if you messed up, you slipped up in what you are trying to commit to, listen, you just brush yourself off and you get back in again. Some of you guys that are watching, listening, and you say, well, I'm too late. I'm five days in. I didn't start the fast on January 1st, so I missed out. No, you did not. You come on in, honey. Get on in into the fast. Do you not remember the parable where Jesus, where the where there was workers that began in the morning and began in the evening? The ones that began in the evening didn't work as much as the ones in the morning, but they got paid the same come on the same salary and jesus some of the jesus said some of the last will be first and some of the first will be last hallelujah come on the key is come on making that commitment getting in but you need to know something and that is come on the battle is going to come because of your commitment and your desire to know and serve and understand the will of the lord is watch this let me say this before we get to the breakthroughs and the healing and the deliverance and the salvations, because we're going to believe and we're going to pray for all that stuff. Salvations of family members and friends and deliverances of strongholds and breakthroughs of marriages and breakthroughs in our finances and all those things are great. And I believe the, the provisions there, the promises are there. Everything is there in the word of the Lord. But before we get to all that, you know what's going to be first on the priority list? What we put on the on the top burner, the front burner, is we as individuals need to know what the will of the Lord is for our lives and for our families' lives. So here's Jesus. Jesus understands that even as a 12-year-old boy, that God had a destiny for him. He began, now listen, he was the son of God. So he was fully man and fully God. But yet he, the Bible says that he had to study. He read the Torah. He understood the law. He uh, was tempted in all points like you and I. So that means he was tempted with lust. He was tempted with jealousy. He was tempted with anger. He was tempted uh, with revenge. He was tempted at all these points. But the Bible says he was without sin. And here is the son of the living God. And your Bible says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, some of you, I, I get a kick out of people. They get into the chat rooms and they get in the, in the comments on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And they'll say, we don't need to fast as believers. This is all legalism. We don't need to do this. Listen, I think it's profound that someone would make such an ignorant statement. Listen, if Jesus is the son of the living God and he has to fast in his ministry in the three, in the 42 months of his ministry that we know of, we don't even know prior to that. It is very likely that he had a lifestyle of fasting under the Torah because they, they practiced this under the law of Moses and, and whatnot. So it's, do you not think it's profound to me that if Jesus fasted, he had to fast, watch this, to be over, to overcome the power of the devil. And number two, I believe it gave him the full revelation of the will of God for his life from the father. Now, let me elaborate because I know people will start messaging me right here. Listen, I believe, did Jesus know he was the son of God? Absolutely. But I don't fully believe. Now, some of y'all send me some emails, whatever you want to do. I don't fully believe that Jesus understood the entirety and full details of the will of God that the father had for his life. But I believe it came through progressive revelation through the disciplines and through the life that Jesus lived. Let me explain. For example, you'll see as, as the life of Jesus progresses, you'll see that Jesus had to go off to uh, a place of solitude many, many times. And he had a lifestyle of praying in secret and God rewarded him openly. Let me explain that. You see, all through the Bible, he was praying in private, but he was demonstrating the works and the will of God for his life in public. Oh, Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, you want to operate in power and you want to see the will of God demonstrated in your life, then you need to get a private prayer life and a private devotional life. So 
in those private times of prayer, I believe God, the father was giving him progressive revelation. Then watch this. Then you get to the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus brings Peter, James, and John. They go to the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus enters into prayer. He comes back to him and says, why are you sleeping? Can you not pray with me one hour? He goes back. He starts praying. Come on. And then eventually your Bible says that Moses and Elijah appears on the Mount of Transfiguration, begins to have detailed conversations to Jesus about the crucifixion that Jesus was about to endure. Hello. Moses and Elijah was given details about the crucifixion that Jesus had not yet even endured yet. How would Moses and Elijah know these details? The answer, because they're already in heaven with the father. Then we read about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Here's Jesus and he's praying and travailing with such intensity that the Bible says he began to sweat great drops of blood. And isn't it profound that while he's praying, Jesus said, Father, if it be thy will. It's the only place in the entire Bible where Jesus himself said, if it be your will. When he, oh, come on. When he healed Jairus's daughter, he didn't say, Lord, if it be thy will, let his daughter be healed. When he healed the 10 lepers, he didn't say, Lord, if it be thy will, let these lepers be healed. When he healed blind Bartimaeus, he didn't say, Father, if it be thy will, let his eyesight be restored. When he healed, come on. When he healed the, the boy in the casket and through a funeral, funeral procession, he didn't say, Lord, if it be thy will, raise this child from the dead nowhere even at the come on even at the tomb of Lazarus who had been dead come on for four days stinking in a tomb Jesus was praying to the father and he says father I pray and let them hear me not because I doubt you and not because I don't believe that you can do this but I do it for their sake because I know Come on, that you can do whatever I ask. Oh, you don't believe me here. Let let me just pull it up in scripture. All right, we're in John 11. Let's look at this. So here's Mary and Martha and they're freaking out because he's dead and he's telling them I'm the life and the resurrection and he's going to be raised, but they're, they're just so full of panic and pandemonium. Look at this, Martha. I'm in verse 39. Martha, the sister of Lazarus, Uh, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead four days. Look at verse 40. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, look what he prays here, church. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. So notice here, nowhere in scripture does Jesus Use the phrase, if it be thy will, when it came to praying for the sick, healing, come on, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, nowhere in scripture. The only place you'll find it is when he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane and it came to the will of the father for his life and his destiny. And he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane and he says, Lord, father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. What is the cup he's talking about? He's talking about enduring the crucifixion and all the horrors that went with it. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What am I talking about? I'm talking about, again, in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus being led 40 days and 40 nights. He was fasting as the son of God, tempted and all of these points. Now watch this. The very first temptation that Satan came in him was making something hard into something that's easy. He said, turn these stones something hard into bread, something easy or soft. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to convince you, oh, you don't need to have that discipline. You don't need to have self-control. You don't need to crucify your flesh. 
You don't need to live in holiness. You don't need to strive for righteousness. You don't need to be sanctified. You don't need to be set apart. You don't need to pray. You don't need to have a prayer life. You don't need to have a lifestyle of fasting. You don't need to do all these. You don't need to read your Bible every day. That, why? Because the devil wants you to take the easy road out. Now, look, we can put all the blame on him, but I'm going to say it this way, too. Your flesh wants the easy way out. Your flesh, come on, by natural forces, wants you to take the easy way out. Your flesh, come on, your flesh don't want to eat a salad. It wants to eat some pasta loaded down with all kinds of sauce and meat. Your flesh don't want to get out of bed and exercise. Your flesh wants to lay in bed a little bit longer. It wants to sleep in. Come on, your flesh don't want to get in the word. It doesn't want to pray. It don't want to fast. It wants to be lazy. It wants to sit around and watch Netflix and eat popcorn and do all the things that your flesh desires to do. But I'm here to tell you that, come on, Jesus is setting the standard, setting the bar and showing us, watch this, that if we are going to understand what the will of the Lord is in our lives, it's not going to be easy. We're going to have to press in, press in. And the second thing here out of this, notice what Jesus said. It is written that man shall not live off bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the devil was trying to convince Jesus, if you don't turn these stones into bread, if you don't take the easy way out, you're going to die, Jesus. But Jesus said, I know something, devil, and that is that man shall not live off bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen to me. How in the world can Moses go to Mount Sinai and fast 40 days, come off the mountain with the tablets See Aaron at the bottom of the mountain having a party and full-blown idolatry sitting around worshiping a golden calf. Moses gets so angry, he breaks the tablets and he has to buy. Your Bible says he has to go back up to the mountain for another 40 days and he fasts another 40 days and 40 nights. That's 80 days and 80 nights. That is how is that even possible? Because he was in the direct presence of of the Lord. Now listen, we can't we're not able to go into the direct presence of God like Moses was. Okay? So I don't advise you to fast for 80 days and 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 80 nights. Water only or whatever he did. It doesn't even indicate that he even had water. I would, I would assume he did, but the point is God supernaturally preserved him because he was in direct in the direct literal presence of God. But the point I'm trying to make is come on, oh, come on. The Bible says that he that hungers after thirst. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. That brings me to my next point. So you go to John chapter four, and it's it's amazing to me. Here's Jesus at this the famous encounter with the woman at the well. So he comes, he finds this woman at the well. He ministers to her, ministers to her. He prophesies to her. He gives her a word of knowledge that there's no way he could have known. She perceives him as a prophet. The Bible says she goes back into the town to tell the whole town of that she met the Messiah. She met the rabbi. She met the the son of David. And the whole town comes out to meet Yeshua, meet the Messiah. But in the process of this, They're sitting there having this conversation, having this encounter. And here comes the disciples. Look at this. Let me pull this up. This is John 4. Here comes the disciples. It says, in the meantime, John 4, 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. Or in other words, we've noticed that you haven't been eating. Here, come. We need you to eat. But look what Jesus says in verse 32. But he said to them, oh, look at this. I have food to eat what you do not know. Now look at this. And there went right over their heads. Look what they say. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Peter, did you bring him a sandwich we didn't know about? John, did you bring uh, a fish dinner? Because we, I didn't bring anything. Who brought him something to eat? But look what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, translation, Jesus was more moved by the will of the father than he was the impulse to eat food. Oh, come on, somebody. What would happen 
If we got so moved and we got so on fire for God and we had such a hunger and desire after God that we begin to forget to eat. Now, some of you is like, I don't even understand that. How's that even possible? Listen, I'm going to tell you, when I first got saved 23 years ago, I got that. I was so on fire for God that I would go long hours without eating because I was just, I was so into the word, so into his presence, wanted to go to the next revival meeting, want to see somebody touched by God, want to witness to somebody, somebody get healed. I was so enraptured into the will of God that food just wasn't a compulse to me or it wasn't a a compulsory drive to me. It it wasn't driving me. It wasn't the, it wasn't the captain behind the, the, behind the ship. God, my direction instead come on it was the will of God for my life and I'm here to tell you today listen if you want to be successful in a time of prayer and fasting and this is why I tell you we've got to get in the word guys we got to get into the presence we got to get in worship and as we get into him and we get hungry for him and we get on fire for him and we start seeing him manifest in our lives we start seeing opportunities for him for us to pray for individuals and leading them to the Lord we get opportunities to lay hands on the sick and see people healed and recover we begin to see God perform miracles we begin to see God perform deliverances. We see God moving in the midst of us. I'm telling you, what will it do? It will increase our desire. Come on, to, to, to walk in the spirit and put to death the works of the flesh. And one of them is the God of our belly. Did you know that Job understood this? Job, think about Job. Job is a man who went through more trials in his lifetime than most of us would ever endure. He lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost his possessions. He lost his, uh, his wealth, his finances, and even his own wife. I mean, this is pretty bad when his own wife looks at him and tells him, why don't you just curse God and die? That's how bad it was. Read it in the book of Job. But it threw all the midst of the trials the hardships and everything that he went through. He made a profound statement in Job 23, 12. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. Translation, even through all this, I still believe in the word of God. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Listen, Come on this. I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what trial you're in. I don't know what physical ailments you're going in. I don't know what you're going. Listen, right now as we're speaking, my joints hurt. My body aches. I'm congested. I've got all this stuff going on, but the word of God still stands. I walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, some of y'all don't even understand this because you've never completely given your all to the Lord. Let me give you another story here real quick. You see, in the book of John, in the book of John chapter 6, Jesus is, he's calling people to ministry. He calls to 12. He calls to 70. He begins to tell them what he expects them of ministry. He said, I want to send you out two by two. I want you to cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. I want you to do all these things. And then Jesus began to say, lest you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can know by you can by no means partake of what I'm partaking of, or you cannot be a part of my kingdom. And what he's speaking of is, come on, dying to yourself, taking up your cross and following after him, meaning that it might cost you everything, literally. So your Bible says in John chapter six, from that time, many of his disciples went back. I said they went back. They went back to their old lifestyles. They went back to their old addictions. They went back to the old strongholds. They went back to their own sinful ways. They went back to the old self. They went back to the bars. They went back to the clubs. They went back, come on, to the prostitution. They went back to the drugs. They went back to the alcohol. They went back to the addictions. And it says they not only did they want did they go back, they walked with him no more. Listen, I wonder, I wonder today, 
How many real Christians would still be serving God if we actually preached the real gospel? Because we get a lot of false converts in the body of Christ today because no one is preaching the real, true, authentic gospel. So you got a bunch of people to profess that they're saved, but the Bible says they profess to know me, but in their works, they're abominable. Come on, their lifestyles is full of lasciviousness, wickedness, abomination, idolatry, adultery, sexual immorality, lying, gossip, slander, discord, and the list goes on. But yet, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and yet, and yet here, but the real believers are putting their flesh to, to come on to death. They're crucifying the works of the flesh. They're fasting. They're praying. They're disciplining themselves. They have self-control. They're abstaining from these lustful flesh. Come on. They are coming out from among them and being separate. And we look like radicals. We look like fanatics. But we are actually following what the Bible says. So when Jesus put them in check, and says, all right, guys, you signed up for it. You put your name on the dotted line. That's great. But now I'm going to show you the fine print and I'm going to show you what it's going to entail and what it's going to cost you. And when he showed, when he pulled out the contract, come on, I'm going to preach my message the way I want to preach it today. He pulled out the contract. He showed them the fine print and he says, it's going to cost some self-denial. It's going to cost you your pride. It's going to cost you to give up this and give up that and lay down this and lay down that. And you're going to have to separate from this individual and from those individuals. You're going to have to break up with Suze, Susie May down here, and you're going to have to break up with, come on, uh, with your boyfriend. You're going to have to stop fornicating. You're going to have to start committing adultery. You're going to have to start, you're going to have to stop the homosexuality. You're going to have to stop living what the Bible calls an abomination. And now you can serve me. And your Bible says from that hour, from that hour many walked away and they walked with him no more and look at your bible says in john chapter 6 and jesus said to the 12 look he looks at the original 12 the foundation of the entire church he says now that they're gone come on now that we're separating the wheat from the tares and the sheep from the goat and the boys from the girls and or the men from the boys and the girls and the women from the girls he looks at them and says, do you also want to go away? Now, which one of you are going to walk away? And Peter answers and says, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Translation. Oh, come on. Peter understood that once you've tasted of the Lord, there is no longer a substitute. I said there's no longer a drink that can satisfy you. There's no longer a smoke that you can smoke, something you can snort, something you can inject, something you can partake of. There's not a, come on, there's not a relationship you can get into. There is nothing you can buy. There's nothing that you can own. There is no substitute on earth that can satisfy your longing and your heart to be filled with what only God himself can provide. Peter understood this. Peter said, I've left everything. I've left the fishing business. I've walked away. I don't have anything to go back to. Peter, listen, Peter understood a concept that we need to understand. He burned bridges behind him. Some of y'all have never burned those bridges. You still got your drug connection on standby. You've still got, come on, you've still got, you still got that, uh, that, that side. Oh, I'm going to say it anyway, cause I'm going to preach my message. You still got that side piece on, 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 on standby just in case things don't work out with your, with your spouse. Come on. You still got those phone numbers. You should have got rid of. You still, you still drive by the bar and outside because you've justified. Well, as long as I don't go on the inside, but you're hanging out with the people on the outside reminiscing of how it used to be. Come on. Some of y'all ha- are not burning bridges behind you. And you're keeping that bridge afloat just in case this Jesus thing don't work out. But I've come by today to tell you that if you want to walk in the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, and be not understand, be not wise in understanding, but know what the will of God is, what better way to do it, friends, than do it during this time of prayer and fasting? Now, how do you do this, Brother Ricky? Well, listen, let me give you a scripture. 
Now, this is a famous passage that most of you guys know, and you probably quote, and it's Jeremiah 29, 11. But I'm going to read verse, we're going to go down, we're going to read this, but then I'm going to read beyond that. Look at this, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Listen, you may not have good thoughts towards yourself. You may have low self-esteem, negativity, all these things. But God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. What does he say about us? Here's what he says. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. They give us a future and they give us a hope. That's what he says in Jeremiah 29, 11. Now look at verse 12. Then, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, if you guys have been keeping up with our fasting series, consequently in Isaiah 58, which we called and deemed the fasting chapter in Isaiah 58, one of the promises in Isaiah 58, 8 and 9, the Lord says, if you will uh, consecrate a time of prayer and fasting, obey my word and do as I command, he says, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Healing will spring, speed, spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Look at verse nine. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. The bottom line is, friends, some of you, listen, all these other things are great. The healing, the deliverances, the salvations of family members, the reconciliation, the restoration. All these things are wonderful. They're great. They're promises of God. But before all of that, friend, I want you, I want myself to be in the perfect will of God. I want to be not in the good, not in the acceptable, but I want to be in the perfect will of God. I know it may be difficult to, to tap into this, but I want to give it my all. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to brag on my kids for a moment because I can. I'm a father and I'm proud of them. Listen, I've got a 15-year-old going on, 16-year-old, an 8-year-old going on, a nine, uh, going on 9 years old. When we set them down and said, we are going into 21 days of prayer and fasting, guys, listen, don't don't think I'm a bad father. Don't you send me any ugly emails and messages saying I forced my kids to fast because I can pull my 15 year old here and tell you that we never forced them to do anything. We said, if you guys want to join us in this fast, we want you to do that, but you do what you feel like you want to do. We didn't force them. We didn't tell them to do anything. And I'm going to tell you something. They have done a partial fast and they don't eat nothing until lunch and we're talking about their fast all evening all morning until like 12 one o'clock in the afternoon and and, and we're talking about an eight-year-old doing this now what am i talking about i listen i believe god will honor that i believe their sacrifice what they're doing unto the lord and doing for the lord god sees it and he's going to bless them for that. They are, oh, come on, somebody. They're setting the course of their entire life through this time of prayer and fasting. Some of y'all, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You don't, you may not realize it, but if God was to lift the veil from you and if he was to give you the full revelation, you are setting the entire course and destiny for your life, for your family, for your marriage and for your children in Jesus name. You may know other Christians that you go to church with. You may have acquaintances or people in your family that call themselves Christians. And they, they struggle to know the will of God. They, they're wandering through the, come on, I hear the Michael W. Smith, old Michael W. Smith song. I'm wandering through the world trying to find my place in this world. They, it seems like they can't find their place. But I'm going to tell you, that's not the will of God. There is areas even in Brother Ricky's life. Listen, I don't question what my call is. I don't question what my ministry is. We've established that. But there is things that my family and I are seeking the will of God for in our lives, and we need answers for it. And I'm here to tell you, I believe through 21 days of prayer and fasting and setting this time aside that God will answer us. Listen, one of the ways is I believe, listen, sometimes we, we're always looking for the parting of the Red Sea or the floating axe head, or we're looking for the dove to come down from heaven, or we're looking for a talking donkey. Those are all miracles and miraculous things, or an angel of heaven to appear into my bedroom and tell me in sp specific instructions. Those things are wonderful. Those things are great. But I believe as we mature in the Lord, listen, I'm not against angels 
Come on, visiting believers. I still believe in it. I believe in dreams. I believe in visions. I believe in miracles. Not discounting that. But I believe as we mature in the Lord, we can get to a place, come on, where we don't need all those things. And God can speak to us through the small, still voice. Come on, Elijah. God don't always have to send a lightning bolt or a fire or thunder or wind. Sometimes he speaks in a small, still voice. I remember one time, listen, this happened recently. Come on, is this okay? Um, listen, it don't really matter because I'm going to keep preaching anyway. But listen, our family and I recently, uh, for Christmas, we were praying about, we wanted a little kitten. We wanted to introduce a kitten into our home. And my youngest, uh, or, or both of my kids wanted a new kitten. We wanted a kitten and we kept going back and forth. Yes, no, maybe. And we thought, you know, it'd be a wonderful Christmas gift. So let's, let's, let's just pray about it. Come on. Bible says pray about everything. Even the small things God cares about. So we were, we had this discussion as a family that very night. I promise you this really happened that night. This was recently, by the way, this was last month. We went to bed that night. That night I had a dream that I found a kitten and I picked up this kitten and uh, held it in my arms. And when I looked at this kitten, it was black and it had white whiskers, white fur on its chest. It had a white, little white hair on the bottom of his chin. And it had like white paws. I saw the, this whole thing. And I was like, that's interesting. I even told my, uh, when I woke up the next morning, I told my kids, I told my wife, I said, it's an interesting. I had a dream. So the next day was a Sunday. And we, my oldest son and I went out Christmas shopping for my youngest son and for my wife. So it was just him and I. And we were out and... Uh, we had no plans whatsoever to go look for a cat, look for a kitten, look for a pet, nothing. We were just looking for Christmas gifts. And I happened to see a pet smart where I was. And I said, we should go over and just see what they got. So I, I, we go over there. We walk into the, uh, the pet smart and we walk, go, we go all the way back to where the kittens are, where they keep the cats and the kittens in this, in the little, the glass, uh, cases or whatnot. And here comes, we, we noticed when we walked in, there was a woman coming in. She literally walked in the door the same time we did. She walks back, goes back in the back. And it was the woman who works the adoption center so that you can actually talk to her about adopting cats. I said, well, that's interesting. She literally walked in the same time we did. So as we're looking at the cats, I look in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the, I want to say cage, but it's not really a cage. It's kind of like a glass case. So I, as I'm looking, I see a, a there's a few kittens in there. And guess what kind of kitten I saw in there? You guessed it. It was the exact kitten that I saw in my dream. And I said, what? And I said, tell me about this kitten. And the adoption lady said, that is the best. Everybody in the whole place loved that kitten. It was the friendliest kitten, the most lovable cat. And we, I picked it up and it literally was just like, it melted in your arms. It was a, a, a cuddle bug and, and my, my 15 year old fell in love with it instantly. And I remember that dream. And I said, Lord, I've, I believe that you were telling us number one, it's okay. These things, and I look, some of y'all is going to laugh at this and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said, that if he knows the very hairs on your head and they're numbered, and he says if the if he cares so much about the sparrows of the sky that he knows which one of them falls and dies, how much more are you of importance? You see, that's the problem. You Some of you people are so religious that you think God doesn't care about the small things in your life. So you never pray about those things. You never believe God for any of these things because some religious doctrine has taught you that you can't believe God for your healing, for your deliverance, or for these small things for a, uh, to live in a nice neighborhood. So listen, we got an email. This was the saddest thing. And I, if you're listening, we're, we're praying you out of this. We got an email from somebody from one of our part, one of our uh, listeners, and they live in a terrible neighborhood, in a community where there's violence, where there's poverty. They don't feel safe. They've been threatened, and I believe in God, that God not only will God deliver them out of that area, 
and set them free from that from that area that is putting their family at risk. But I believe in God will open not just any door, but God will open a great door for them and they'll be able to get into not just any neighborhood, but God will make a way for them to get into a nice neighborhood and a nice community where they can feel safe. Their family can feel safe. Their children can be safe. Come on, because that's the God we serve in Jesus name. Come on. Do you believe that today? Do you receive that today? Let me give you one more last story. And then I'm going to close right here because I'm going to pray. And many of you guys have heard this for for several years, for five. Listen. I knew that God had called me to ministry. I knew that God had called me. Um, or even in an early, when I was saved at 23 years of age in 2000, I knew that God had called me to, uh, to, 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 to do the work of the Lord and to, to do the will of God. Now, did I understand fully what that meant all these years later? No, I just trusted God and moved forward. As I got into the word, as I committed myself to get into the word, spend time in his presence. I remember one time I started reading in the book of Kings. And as I began to read through, I read the story about Elijah, the prophet. And I was just reading through this and I, I heard the spirit of the Lord speak to me through my spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice. I'm reading the book of Kings and I hear the, the, uh, uh, the in my spirit, man, the word of, of the Lord come to me and said, your first child. And that was interesting to me because he said, your first child. He didn't say your only child. He said, your first child will be a boy. And I want you to name him Elijah. Now, again, well, I don't believe that happened. I don't really care if you don't believe because it didn't happen to you. It happened to me. Okay. So I remember it. Honestly, it freaked me out because that was one of the first times that I actually heard something like that. And I didn't know how to respond to it. And I, and I you know, it kind of spooked me and I closed my Bible and I ran in there to my wife. Now, again, we were just married probably about a year. And I went in there and told her, I said, I really feel like God spoke to me. In fact, I know God spoke to me because I wouldn't have come up with this. I hadn't, this wasn't even on my radar. Because we weren't even thinking about kids then. I'm just being honest with you guys. We were okay. We were content with no kids. Come on, it was the first year we were married. Come on, some of y'all have been married so long, or y'all so long that y'all done forgot about that. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about right there. But I'm just saying, we weren't even thinking about kids. So, what I wrote it down in my journal, and we prayed into it. So, um, as years went on. Because we didn't feel led to have kids yet, but we we begin to tell all of our friends our first child's going to be a boy and he's going to be Elijah. And about three years into it, we started buying boy clothes. Everything was centered around a boy, and then on the five year mark, on the five year mark, we 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 begin to pray, and we felt like okay. There's never going to be a perfect opportunity to have kids. Come on, who am I talking to today? If you try to find the perfect atmosphere, the perfect time, the perfect finances, the perfect job, everything's going to be squared away. You'll never have kids. I'm just saying, if you feel in your heart you're going to have kids, you're either going to do it or you're not because you'll find every, it's like fasting. It's too hot. It's too cold. There's too much going on. You'll find every excuse not to do it. So we knew that faith without works is dead. So we had to do our part and trust God for the next part. So, Five years later, I didn't even know my wife was pregnant. And a week before she told me she was pregnant, she comes in. I'll never forget this. She walks into the kitchen. And uh, before before she told me that, I got to back up here. Before she told me that, I'll get to that in just a second. I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw about a three-foot a little boy run up to me in the dream and he had blonde hair and he had, and, and at that time he had blue eyes and he ran right up to me. And I knew that I saw uh, my son, my firstborn. And so I wrote that down in my journal. And then a week later, Melissa comes to me and says, I'm pregnant. 
And I knew, I was like, okay, that makes sense because a week before that I had seen the child and I knew it didn't surprise me. So we celebrated, uh, as time went on, we went, she went and got all the, um, where they do the ultrasound and you can, they can see the sex of the child. And I remember the nurse said, would you like to know if it's a boy or girl? And we said, oh, we already know it's a boy. And so she's on there and she's like, that's interesting. She said, it is a boy. And I, so we, listen, it opened the door for me to tell her the whole story of how, um, his name came about and how we knew it was going to be a boy. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about, come on, when you set yourself aside, consecrate yourself apart from the world. Remember, be not conformed unto this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the, uh, the word of God, you will know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When I got alone, got in his word, through a time of prayer and fasting, God spoke to me and showed me that. And here he is today, um, again, 15 going on 16. And by the way, he's part of In Time Headlines. A lot of our articles that you guys read, he is now, he is sharing those articles. As he gets older, he's going to be a major part of our ministry. We're, I'm passing the baton. Come on, I'm, I'm leaving a legacy. We're passing the baton down. As time went on, I, you know, as a, as, as, a, as a husband, as a father, I had to provide. I worked construction work. So come on, some of y'all know these stories, so just bear with us for those who don't know them. I worked in construction work for five years. It was like an Egypt to me. I didn't want to be there, but I was faithful unto the Lord, faithful to my job. I was witnessing there and eventually one day got laid off back in 2008 because of the economic crisis. And I knew at that point I had to step out in faith because I knew God had called me into ministry. Again, where did I find that? Through prayer, through consecration, setting myself aside, through times of prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord. I knew that God had called me into full-time ministry. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. So when that happened, we I, we took a step of faith. I stepped out in faith. Come on. And, and through that act of obedience, guys, that was in 2008. We didn't, we launched end time headlines in 2010. So there was a whole two years where we were in the wilderness Nobody knew who we were. Nobody knew me, knew in time headlines, none of that. So 2010 is when we officially launched the ministry. And here we are 14 years later. And God has used our ministry to reach people around the world. We get letters, we get emails, we get messages. And it has literally brought me to tears and weeping to think about who am I that God would use me? to do these things. Listen, some of y'all, you would be shocked to know what God has in store for you and for your destiny. And I'm telling you through this time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, whatever that looks like for you, if you will honor the Lord, he's going to honor you and you're going to set the entire course of your destiny through this time of prayer and fasting. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I have delivered this word today. I believe, Lord God, that your word is true. Your word is powerful. It is anointing. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word goes forth and it does not, Lord, fail. It does not uh, it does not go void, but it prospers that which is sent forth to do and prosper and bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. Father, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice today, business leaders, pastors, leaders, husbands, wives, whatever that looks like, grandfathers, grandmothers, children, adults, young adults, college age, whatever it looks like, whoever those recipients are, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bring them into their course of destiny. Lord, your word says that you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. You knew them before they would ever be born on this earth. You said in your word that their name was written in the, in the book of life. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, there's, that through this time of prayer and fasting, they're stepping into not the good, not only the acceptable, but the perfect will of God for their lives. And God, I pray that you'd strengthen them, that you'd give them the courage, that you would give them the endurance to say to push back a place 
fight, to, to resist the, temp, the trials, resist the temptations, resist the urges and the compelling of their flesh to be wrapped in, indulge into the sins of the flesh. And as they, uh, as they resist these things, as they set themselves apart, God, I thank you, Lord, that they are walking in the will of God for their lives and you're setting the course of their lives. Lord, I thank you that there is, there are parents today and grandparents today that we, through our acts of obedience, are setting the course for our children and grandchildren for the rest of their lives in Jesus' name. God, I thank you and I know that there is a book in heaven called the Book of Remembrance. And I know according to your word in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is one of those individuals whose name was in that book, who's giving his prayers and his commitment and fasting and his consecration to the Lord went up before the Lord as a memorial. And Lord, you said in Acts chapter 10, that you honored this and because he was committed to you Lord you honored him and brought salvation to his whole household so Father we thank you that you're no respecter of persons and Lord I just praise you and give you thanks and give you glory for the will of God that's being revealed in the lives of your people during this time of prayer and fasting come on and all God's people said amen and amen come on receive it today in Jesus name again guys intimeheadlines.org intimeheadlines.com Again, get our free app available on Apple and Android devices. Again, it is free for your convenience. Hit yes to push notifications, and you're going to be squared away with every headline, every podcast when it is readily available. Of course, guys, listen, if you've not prayed about becoming a a, a monthly partner of our ministry, partnering with us, helping us, supporting us, if this is your home church, whatever that looks like to you, Again, two different ways you can do that. You can give electronically through the app. That's the easiest way to do that. Or you can give easily by check or money order. And you can make that right there at your screen at End Time Headlines, P.O. Box 1391. That's going to be Monroe, Georgia, 30655. So, guys, again, thank you so much for coming on uh, on this Friday, January 5th. We're going to sign off. We'll be back on Monday, I believe, what is that, the 8th? We'll be back on the 8th. Uh, Lord willing, with uh, kicking off a whole nother week of podcasts, we plan on being back uh, next week on Thursday. Uh, we should be, Lord willing, again, we'll be with Larry Raglan, be on the big picture. So be looking for that. We'll be on his program on Thursday, as we always do the second week of every month. Um, and we'll be, again, we'll be eight days into the 21-day fast. We've got a lot of content, more uh, more uh, equipping messages regarding fasting, but we'll probably give you little talking segments and whatnot as well and prophetic updates. I'll be looking for those as well. So, and, and again, guys, I want to thank you, all of you guys from the bottom of my heart that has prayed for me. Uh, and as many of you know, again, we're going, we're going through a virus coming out of that. Also some TMJ issues and dysfunction. I'm, I'm beginning to see a physical therapist who, uh, when I went to Dave, today was my first day uh, through um, through his assessment, he has uh, assessed that one of the, uh, you have two of these joints, one on each ear. One of them is not fully sliding properly. So it's putting, it's putting more force on the other side to compensate. And this is what's causing everything to be thrown off, causing the pain, the strain, uh, the stiffness in the neck and in the joint. And so we're working on that to correct that. And I pray and believe that in the next few weeks, that this is going to turn around in Jesus' name, and this was an answer to prayer. So, again, thank you so much for your prayers and your blessings, your partnership to our ministry, um, all of these things, guys, your cards, everything that you send us, your emails. So we love you guys. We appreciate you from the bottom of our heart. Again, don't forget to hit that like button before you go. Hit that share button. Subscribe to our, our website, our ministry, our app, all that stuff so you can keep up with this. So, guys, have a great weekend, and we'll see you guys, Lord willing, on Monday. Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.